Hello, everyone, and welcome to Broke Bitch Anonymous. This is the second ever episode, but really part two of a two-part series and a continuation from the last episode where we talked about stripping, we talked about, you know, the ability to get yourself out of a bad situation and all of the things that come with that and all of the things that might motivate someone that motivated me to want to buy a pair of stripper shoes and walk my ass into a strip club. Uh, This episode will not be nearly as dark as the last episode, although I am sitting in the exact same position in an arguably more depressing way than last time because tonight I am drinking a glass of Casamigos Reposado on the rocks and I also have a side of lemonade with me because I do not care clearly about alcohol intake or sugar intake. So... I think we're going to have a good time. It is currently Sunday night at 10.45 p.m. And you know what? I haven't been out with friends in a few nights because I've been sitting in this closet drinking alone. And hopefully it's leading to something that is interesting to someone out there. Um, I also wanted to get something off of my chest just from the jump with this episode which is something that's been plaguing me for the last day and a half or really two days ever since I found out about it a few nights ago well two nights ago I was up late at around 3 a.m lying in bed on Instagram as you do and I just had this feeling of I had a feel I had this feeling that someone who had followed me recently, who I had recently hung out with, and who I had recently added to my close friends, because clearly I had a different idea of where our friendship or our relationship was going, unfollowed me. I had a sneaking suspicion because I checked who watched my story. His name wasn't on it. He had followed me a couple of days ago. I was very excited about this follow because he's like famous and a big deal and I had known of him for a while and we had met a few times but never really connected so once I got that follow I can't lie I was happy about it we hung out he came over we had a couple drinks we talked till three in the morning then he left abruptly and to be honest it was a little bit weird but I didn't think anything of it I didn't think it was that bad Uh, I don't think I said anything that crazy or that egregious other than the fact that I did tell him that I'm no longer interested in random hookups or meaningless hookups because to be honest with you I didn't even really think maybe this is me being naive I didn't even really think he had come over to hook up I thought we were hanging out I thought You know, we have a bunch of mutual friends. I thought we were just seeing where the relationship would go. And that didn't necessarily mean that he was just coming over to fuck. I guess I was wrong. I still don't really know what happened and what I did or said that turned him off so much. But he unfollowed me. And I can't lie, I'm disappointed about it. And I feel above all and above everything rejected and I know that an unfollow is not the worst thing that can happen to a person and it is not the biggest rejection in the world truly it is one of the most insignificant and meaningless actions that a person can take but at the same time 
I think any sort of rejection is, it feels like an attack on your, it feels like an attack on who you are. Not to be too dramatic about it, but that is what rejection always feels like to me. And it's hard to not take it personal. Because at the same time, I mean, most of us on Instagram follow hundreds of people. And if I'm not in, and he follows hundreds of people, and if I can't be in your, you know, 600 most important people list, then clearly I'm, (laughs) clearly you do not fuck with me at all. So I just wanted to get that off my chest. I also think if anyone has any idea of what happened, please reach out. As it stands currently, he is still on my close friends list, although he does not follow me because I haven't wanted to remove him just in case he stalks my page and is curious about the green circle and then I confirm that he stalked my page. So I am probably a psychopath, but at the same time, I don't think most of us handle rejection well and I don't think that I am special for assigning too much weight to this small unfollow and thinking about it for the last two days. Anyway, as I've been sitting here ruminating about this rejection, I have realized that it really ties into what I wanted to talk about today, which is the fact that While last time we talked more about the creeps and the weirdos that you have to deal with at the club and how, you know, they might try to be inappropriate, how they might try to pressure you into situations, how they might try to force themselves onto you, which happens often. What also happens almost, I would say, just as often is that these creeps and these weirdos end up rejecting you. And they reject you when you go up and ask them if they want to dance. They reject you when you try to sell them on a champagne room or a VIP room. They reject you when you ask them to buy you a drink. They reject you in countless ways every day that you're working. And for anyone who has stood in a room full of strangers in their underwear... That alone is obviously putting yourself in like a pretty vulnerable position. And then add on top of that kind of a constant bombardment of rejection because this will happen to you at least for me at least once a shift where you are inevitably going to get rejected if you're putting yourself out there and you're on the floor it's an experience that does something to you and I don't know if that something is a good thing and obviously on the good days you can let those little rejections from people that you never even really wanted in the first place just sort of roll off of you but I think at the same time the rejections eventually they start to accumulate and they do change how you feel both about yourself or on that day they do change you that's a fact and it is just something that you have to deal with when it comes to dancing and I think this is why I have truly never felt more sexless than when I'm working at the strip club There's something about the act of selling yourself as an entertainment commodity, which is maybe the most American act of all time, that is really not sexy at all. Sales is not a sexy thing, but that's really what stripping is. It's a mixture of sales, the service industry, and mental health services for men who hate their wives. That is what stripping is. And the sales aspect of it is something that I think needs to be understood 
both more by customers and by dancers. And I think this is honestly why getting into stripping when you're a little bit older or maybe in your mid to late 20s, I don't know about 29, like I did, that might be a bit too old. Uh, But I think when you're a little bit older and you have a bit more maturity, it can benefit you and it can be a good thing because you can, you have more experience being able to negotiate with people just in life and navigating all of the mental obstacles that come with working at a strip club. And so that brings me to my first story that I don't want to spend too much time on because it's really just sales advice wrapped into something that happened to me. And I think anyone who's ever worked in retail probably already knows some of this. Sorry, my illustrator just sent me the new and improved album art for this podcast, and it honestly looks so fucking good. And just in that moment that I saw the picture, everything just sort of crystallized for me, and I felt like, damn, this is really happening, and I feel like this is really going to be a good thing, and hopefully a big thing that people really like, so... I don't know, you probably hear it in my voice. It is the album the artwork is so good. Shout out to Hamda. I'm gonna credit her in the Spotify and Apple descriptions for this show. Uh that is so exciting to me. The first artwork that I had made, I actually just did it myself on Canva. And I actually don't even think it looked that bad, but I also knew that it could be so much better. So I hit up Hamda, who I know from Toronto, and it's gonna be it's about to be so good. I'm so excited. So anyway, sorry, just a short interlude. That's why I took a little that's why there was a little pause. That's why sometimes you gotta take a little pause, but I'll cut the pause out. Anyway, okay, let's get back on track. So that brings me to my first story and the first time that I truly learned how to negotiate with clients. And really this is something that most people who have worked in sales already know. And that is the fact that Every sale eventually gets to a point where whoever speaks next loses. And so after you ask someone if they want something, whether that's a dance, whether that is a VIP room, you cannot say anything after that until they speak. Because if you speak again and you undercut yourself or you lowball yourself or you try to make the situation a bit more pleasant for them by giving them a lower number or something like that they're going to take the lower number and you're going to fuck yourself over so once you present the offer whether that's you know it's $500 for 30 minutes in the champagne room or I dance for you for 10 songs sir or whatever it is you cannot speak again because if you speak again and you say, oh, actually, I'll take the four or 400, it's fine. They're going to give you 400 or maybe if they're nice, they'll give you 450. And that's really what happened to me. I had a high profile client who I was honestly shocked to meet at the club, the first club that I met him. It was somewhere that I don't work anymore, but it was kind of a grimy, gritty spot. I didn't know who he was, but eventually once we got to talking, I found out that he used to be the head of the Air Force. He was an advisor to the Pentagon. He would show me all of these. I don't even want to, I mean, there's no way in hell he will ever listen to this podcast, but I don't want to put him in any sort of shit. But he would tell me about a lot of 
interesting things that he had going on, whether it was like things that intelligence agencies had been working on. Like I remember once there was something about some kind of cloning he was talking about where the government had figured out ways to manipulate light so that it would actually hide objects in plain sight or war stories from being in the Air Force or the money he had, you know, invested in the stock market. He he would show me weird, he would do annoying things also, like show me his portfolio with millions of dollars invested in it and all this stuff. And so anyway, the man had money. He would come to see me. Every time he would come to see me, I would dance for him for at least 20 songs, but he would always give me like at least three or $400. Um, And one day we went back into a VIP room and we did our regular thing. I was dancing for him. We were talking, we were having a great conversation. We were, well, he actually doesn't drink. We were, I was drinking and we were just having a good time. And then when our time was up, he turned to me and he said, all right, how much money do you want? And I thought, all right, this man usually gives me $400. And it's been, I think at that time I was, I was like, you know what? It's been a bit of a slow day and I don't want him to think that I will always settle for $400. So I'm going to say 500 because I know he has money. He just showed me his portfolio with $2 million in it. He's single. He's older. He has no kids. An extra hundred dollars. I'm assuming doesn't really mean that much to him. And also every time he comes to the club, he tips everyone who works there a hundred dollars. So he's already spent $500 on people who have done much less for him than I have because I've just sat with him for an hour. So I said $500 and he looked at me and we had this back and forth staring contest for a second. And then I cracked and I said, actually, you know, 400 is fine, whatever. And instead of being generous and giving me the 500 that I had initially asked for, he looked at me and he said, all right, well, why don't I meet you halfway between 400 and 500 and give you 450? And at that point, I was just embarrassed that I had kind of lost the bet or I'd lost the negotiation. So I took the money and I got out of there, went back to the dressing room. And eventually the next time I saw him, he gave me less than that. I think he gave me around 300 or maybe 340, something like that, even though I did the same amount of work. And at this point, I I don't even see him anymore. When he comes to my club, he goes and hangs out with some other girl. And the last time I checked, she only got $150 out of him. So two things. Number one, never fold when you give someone a number or when you present someone with an offer. Because stripping is really about sales and negotiation. And number two, and this is really the more important point to this whole story and if you remember anything or take anything away from this you know little stripping chit chat or whatever you want to call it it is this the problem with stripping the biggest problem in my opinion and really unfortunately with sex work and I don't want stripping to necessarily be thought of as sex work because I don't think it is It can be, and there's a lot of weird gray area crossover, absolutely. But the problem with selling yourself as a commodity is that once people get comfortable with you, once people get to know who you are, they will always try to push the boundaries and try to push your comfort zone and try to push your self-worth and get more from you for less. They will always 
expect a little bit more every time they come to see you. And I think that's why a lot of girls end up starting by dancing and then eventually you're having sex in the club or you're meeting up with guys outside of the club and somehow now you've become an escort or you've become this or that because customers always try to see how far they can push you before you break and you say no. And if you're aware of that game and if you also keep raising your price and keeping them engaged without giving everything, giving them everything they want and keeping it at the club and keeping it with what you told yourself you would be comfortable with, you can still win. Maybe eventually they're going to go to the next girl who is doing a VIP room for $100 because unfortunately there are girls who do that. But at the same time, it's very important, I think, to be aware of the fact that when you are a stripper, people will always try to get more from you for less than they paid last time. And it's not fair, and I don't think it's healthy, but it's just the way it is. Okay, sorry, I just had to take another sip of Casamigos, even though I probably shouldn't be doing that, because at this point, I feel like I am too drunk to actually articulate the important parts But I think to talk about this stuff, you have to be, or you don't have to be, but I prefer being a little tipsy. What am I even saying? What am I saying? Listen, all right, this brings me to my next story. The other thing that I wanted to talk about, which is leaving things at the club or taking them outside of the club. There are a lot of customers that come in and they kind of, unfortunately, as much as maybe they want dances or they want female company or they want a place to get a few drinks with their friends, whatever it is, there are also a lot of customers that come in and they're delusional and they're fucking idiots. But what they really want is to find someone to have sex with, whether it's at the club or outside of the club or whatever. They want to pretend a girlfriend. They want the girlfriend experience. And they want some fucking, you know, So, what do you do when you're dealing with these men? I don't think anyone has a black and white answer to that, and I definitely don't because it's something that I still struggle with, and it is the thing in my job that most exhausts me when people always pressure me to try and meet up outside because I really don't like meeting up with anyone outside of the club at all. I don't care how trustworthy you seem. I don't care about any of that. My life is my life and it's separate. And to be honest, I don't even like the idea of someone paying me to hang out with them. Obviously, money is money. But at the same time, I think that line between going to work and going to dance and then becoming something else is very, very thin. However, sometimes, and this does happen, you will meet someone at the club that you actually think is cool That actually seems like on your level, you might be close in age, you hit it off, they almost might seem too good to be true or like somebody that you would just want to get to know and talk to in real life and you choose to hang out with them. And it does happen. It's happened for me a few times. One of those times was cool. And the other time that it's happened for me... (laughs) was fucking terrible. Let me start off by saying that this all happened on a Friday night. I was working. This man came to my work. 
sat there alone, paid another girl to come find me, even though I was dancing for someone else, and get me to come sit with him. I went over to him. He gave me $100, said, come have dinner with me and just hang out with me tonight. I looked at him and he looked like he was in his early 30s. He looked he looked handsome, fit. He was like 6'3". He was drinking a little Casamigos Reposado. You know, he looked like he had money. At the time, I was still pretty broke and trying to live cheaply. And I, I was Ubering to and from work. And to be honest, I kind of looked at the proposition like... Should I go with this man and not have to pay for an Uber home and get a free dinner because I'm starving? Or <laughs> should I go home and pay for my own Uber and have another quiet night or whatever? So after weighing my options and really just not wanting to pay for an Uber home and being hungry and wanting to see something new in my city... I decided, fuck it, I'm just going to go with this man. He seems cool. He seems normal enough. I'm just going to go. So we went to the Four Seasons. We got dinner and a bunch of drinks. He just, he didn't even ask me, he didn't even give me a menu to see what I wanted. He just ordered a bunch of things that I guess he liked, like deviled eggs and scallops and steak and lamb chops and all of this stuff. And it, everything, it was very over the top from the moment that I met him. And even though it seems kind of like an overreach, in my opinion, to not even let the woman that you're with see a menu, especially for me, like I really like food and I'm kind of a control freak when it comes to just everything, but especially ordering at a restaurant. I used to be a food writer. I like to at least see what is available. But there was also something nice about him just taking the reins and this idea of not having to worry about anything. So after that dinner, I went home. Nothing happened. Said goodbye. Said thank you. But while I was like vaguely attracted to him, I was still seeing someone else who I genuinely liked, even though he didn't take me for fancy dinners at the Four Seasons. And also, I still looked at this man like a client. Because if I, when I meet someone at the club, I think most girls can relate to this. When you meet, most dancers can relate to this. The men that you meet at the club, it's really hard to have a switch flip in your mind to actually take them seriously. Like most of the people I meet at the club, I don't take them seriously as actual like humans that I can have a real relationship with. And I, I know that probably sounds fucked up, but I just, it's really hard to take someone and put them in that other chunk of your mind that's like your regular life. And I kind of like to keep it that way, to be honest. So I went home, said thank you, and then the next day I went back to work. To be honest, I'm not really thinking that much about this man at this point, other than the fact that we had a nice, I had a nice free dinner at the Four Seasons, and, you know, maybe we'll see each other again, but I'm not really pressed about it either way. That night when I'm at work, he comes back, even though he doesn't tell me that he's coming to my work, and he just sits in the corner drinking alone. And so eventually I go up to him and I just say like, hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> and he acts like we're already kind of in a relationship. He says to me that he wanted to surprise me, that he wanted to come pick me up from work, that he's taking me out for dinner again. And like, 
to be honest, I'm not thrilled about seeing him because I just wasn't expecting to. And I don't like when anyone shows up at your place of work unannounced. I feel like it's an invasion of privacy. I feel like it's very imposing. And I just don't think that that is a very respectful thing to do. I would never show up where someone works, even if it's at a strip club or a bar or a public place, if I knew someone was working and I was just trying to see them. It's just a weird way to move. So immediately when I when I saw him, I was very nice and very pleasant to him because I was still in like my little work mode. But there was just something in my gut that told me that something was off. And let me tell you, when you get that feeling in your gut that something is off, whether it's in a strip club environment or just in your regular life, but especially in a club environment where there are so many sus people that come by every day, please listen to that feeling. It is so important. It's so, it's everything. And it's usually not wrong. And I wish, to be honest with you, that I had just listened to it in that moment and turned around and been like, I'm busy tonight. Maybe I'll see you another time and left it there. But instead, not wanting to offend him and not really expecting him to even be there, just kind of being shocked, I agreed to leave with him and go get dinner. So we left. I got in his car and instead of taking me to dinner, he decided that we would stop at his place first and then eventually go for dinner somewhere down the street. So I thought, all right, that's fine. I don't really feel like going to a random guy's place, but... For some reason, again, when I first met him, he he was attractive. He seemed like he had money. I was in a desperate situation. I don't even think I really need to justify it. But something in me, as much as I had that hesitation, also told me, like, maybe this could be a thing. I wanted someone to pay attention to me and to, like, be into me in a way that I felt, like, was missing in my life. So I guess I projected that onto him, and I wanted that to be him. So when he took me to his place, I thought, all right, I'm going to just go with this. And hopefully this turns into something. Hopefully this turns into the relationship that I want. Maybe it could. Maybe this is the maybe this is the one. But just to confirm, this was my second time hanging out with him. We had not done anything except a good night's kiss. And I really barely knew anything about this man except after going to his house, I learned that he was a relatively big cocaine dealer that he lived in a nice little penthouse apartment that overlooked the city and that he had two French bulldogs. And that was pretty much it. I didn't know much else about this man. He knew very, very, very little about me. Like I'm talking about all he knew was that I was a dancer. He didn't know really that I used to write about food. He didn't know what I did in the music industry. He didn't know where I was from. I don't think he even really knew my last name. He also didn't have Instagram, so he couldn't even stalk me and get a sense of who I was or who I had been before he met me. We did not know each other at all. And instead of getting to know each other like regular people, that night he decided that we should take a trip to Las Vegas. And so I'm sitting on his couch drinking a glass of wine and I'll never forget it was this horrible red wine that he opened because I said I liked wine trying to just sort of choke it down so I'm not completely sober for this 
interaction that I'm having with this man. And he is looking for flights and hotels in Vegas. And I know I should have stopped him and I should have walked out and been like, I'm actually good. I was also still seeing someone at the time and I felt very guilty and very bad about even being there. And I should have just left. But instead, like a psychopath, I sat there and I let him book the flights and book the hotel to Vegas. And we left three days later. Now, in those three days of waiting to go to Vegas, obviously I had some hesitations. One, I can't lie, I was excited to just go to Vegas and have a little vacation because I hadn't been anywhere in a while. But also, there was this undercurrent of thinking like, why are we actually doing this? Why is this person so keen to have me under his thumb even though he barely knows me at all? Come to find out that he wants us to go to Las Vegas so we can get married. Yes. He wants to marry me even though we've known each other for, at this point, less than a week. And I know wanting to get married after knowing someone for less than a week is an extremely perverted thing to do. And I am filled with terror at the idea of it and the situation that I have put myself in. But at the same time, we're already in Vegas. And I figure I'm not in the best place in my life. Maybe this is the love or the relationship that I have been looking for. Maybe this is it. Uh, Let me tell you, as soon as we got to the hotel, I realized that things were about to go extremely violently left. Now, the first thing was that he, as soon as we got there, asked me if I could pay for all of the Ubers and all of the lifts, which I agreed to do, but also was a red flag to me because before we left, he reassured me a bunch of times that I didn't have to worry and he would pay for everything. So suddenly when I find out that I'm going to be having to pay for all of our transportation for the weekend for a trip that I didn't even necessarily ask to go on or really want to go on, at least with him, I feel a way about it. And I guess he can see it on my face that I'm a little bit upset. And so instead of talking to me about it, he starts to throw a fit, reassure me that he will pay me back when we get back. And when I say it's unnecessary, what does this man do? He starts throwing 20s at me. Now, at this point, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that this man isn't exactly like the stable, loving partner that I had dreamed of and a husband and that I definitely should not get married to him. But I also still have two days left with him in Vegas and I'm not in a position to be buying my own hotel room or anything like that. So I decide to just bite my tongue placate him as much as I can and hopefully ride it out so we can at least have a good vacation or I can at least go off and do my own thing. So somehow we make it through dinner. We go to Tao, get a bunch of drinks, his favorite place. Apparently he was very excited to go there. And I thought, to be honest, it was corny and I wanted to go somewhere else. But we go. I managed to have him not throw a bunch of money at me again. We are not in a complete public embarrassment. 
And then after dinner, if we've been up all day, we've been drinking all day. So I decide, why don't we go home? And on the way home, I get a text from someone who I used to work with who tells me that he's in Los Angeles. And since I'm in Vegas, I should try and pull up because they're shooting a music video. They're doing this and that. It would be good for me to meet these people, whatever. This is very exciting to me. So I share this news with him. And what does this man do instead of being excited for me? (laughs) He tells me that I only came to Vegas so that I could frolic all over Vegas and Los Angeles and try and fuck rappers and talk to everyone and give give everyone attention but him. So immediately what had been a creeping suspicion that this man is completely mentally unhinged is confirmed because all I said was that someone is excited to potentially work with me and he jumped to you're going to LA to fuck someone when you're supposed to be on vacation with me. It goes without saying that when we go back to the hotel, I do not want to sleep with this man. I don't really even want to be in the same bed with him. So when we get back to the hotel, I start I lie on the couch and I tell him I'm going to sleep here tonight. I'll see you in the morning. He presses me about what we're doing in Vegas, how he was going to help me out by getting married and helping me get on my feet and all of this stuff. Basically guilt tripping me into a situation that I now feel bad about. So eventually I'm able to fall asleep. He goes out and does his own thing. I really at this point do not care what he's doing. I just want to get back home and get away from this man forever. The next morning I wake up, I go off and do my own thing. I come back to the hotel at around 11 p.m. at night. I text him and let him know that I'm coming back. And when I get back into the hotel, all of my stuff is gone. My purse, my ID, everything, my shoes, my makeup, like everything I brought on the trip, every it's disappeared. I check all of the closets. I check everything. There's not a trace of anything which is fucking terrifying because this is also a detail I probably should have pointed out. I was at a pool party. The only thing I had was a wet bikini in my purse and a hotel robe that I had worn from the pool party back to my hotel. So it's Vegas. Everyone looks crazy, but I look fucking insane. So I call the front desk and I explain the situation very vaguely but just say that my stuff is missing from my hotel room is and ask them if there's a bag at the front that is mine or has my name on it thankfully they say yes so I go up I go down I get my bag bring it back upstairs everything is jumbled I see that he very somebody which I know is him very angrily threw all of my shit into my into my bag without any care there is a flat iron on top of a tampon, on top of lip gloss, on top of garbage, on top of melted candy. Like, it's disgusting, and I'm upset, and my clothes look like shit, but at least I know that my stuff is there, and he didn't throw everything away. And so, while I already knew I had been dealing with someone that was crazy, My awareness of his crazy is now multiplied by, I would say, 100. And I know I'm dealing with someone that is extremely mentally unstable. And I know I should leave because at this point, I actually feel like my personal safety might 
be at risk. But at the same time, it's Vegas. Every hotel costs like $300 plus a $200 deposit. And I'm only there for one more night. So I figure because I am cheap and drunk and in shock that, you know what, I'm just, I'll stay here for one more night and I'll be gone in the morning and I'll just let him know. So I text him and I let him know that I'm back in the hotel and I'm sleeping on the couch for the night and I'll be gone in the morning. He doesn't reply. Cut to four in the morning. I'm sleeping on the couch. He comes in with two girls, starts yelling at me that I'm there, tells me to get the fuck out, kicks me out of the hotel room at four in the morning. I grab my stuff, go down to the lobby. Thankfully, it is Vegas, so there's a bunch of people around, even though it's the middle of the night. Not knowing what I'm going to do, I head straight to the airport, go to one of the Delta customer service desks, change my flight for the 6 a.m. flight back home, and try to forget about what happened. Now, I've never seen this man again since then. He has never reached out to me, thank God, and I have obviously never reached out to him. And I know that not every guy that you meet at a strip club is crazy like this. But while they're not all crazy, it's important to remember that the interactions that you have with men at a strip club are fake on both sides. Obviously, the dancers are lying to the men and making it seem like they like them more than they do to get money. But the men are also lying and presenting a version of themselves and who they are that they actually are not in real life. People who seem like they have a lot of money, people who seem like they have their shit together, like they're nice people, like they might care about you, are often not that way in real life. And so it doesn't really matter who somebody seems like at the club. All of it is pretend, all of it is fake, and all of it is bullshit. And as long as you remember that and don't get caught up in a dream that somebody sells you, you will be okay. You will at least be better than me.